the Raymond Reddington of talk shows, ticking off his blacklist one by one. It's the John McMullen Show on the iHub Network. Well, let's see if I can get through the next half hour without ticking anyone off. (laughs) I kind of doubt it. Thank you again to Craig Johnson, Executive Director at Jewish Family Service of the Desert, for joining us in our last hour. If you missed any of that, we'll have the interview eventually up on our podcast for the show, and we'll also be rerunning this show tonight between 10 and midnight, as we do each day. That's Pacific Time, of course. But first, I trust that you are familiar with the phrase, be careful what you wish for. I'm going to get a little personal right now, more so than I generally do on the program. But a few years ago, my partner gave me one of those DNA testing kits. And it was a year or so after he had done one of them himself. Uh, At the same time, he gave one to my parents, as when he gave one to me, it was over the Christmas holiday. And the three of us, we spit in the test tubes and mailed them back for analysis, which seems to take just shy of forever. And that was especially the case with mine. It turned out that uh, I did a lousy job of spitting because the lab sent me another test kit and they said that my first sample was unable to bring back any results. Not off to a very good start, I'll say. Uh, And so it was, uh, the wait again. And in the meantime, both my parents' tests were good to go. Their results got posted onto their accounts that had been set up on the Internet at that testing company's website. So they could go in and take a look at their ethnic makeup and see all this interesting data that you get when you join one of these services that they, you know, are able to give you all this background information, all this health-related information, and, you know, even be able to tell based on certain factors, you know, whether you're likely to be bald or, you know, have too much hair or you're going to taste something that tastes sweet when it shouldn't or I mean there's just a lot of interesting different facets to this when you go into one of these services meanwhile several months go by and I was getting together for lunch with my partner and this close mutual friend that my partner had also given one of these test kits to about a year earlier And this friend, who is also a colleague in the business, uh, knew that he had been adopted as, you know, you know, young child. In fact, he had met his biological mom some years earlier uh, just from, you know, other means of being able to find that family. But she had never really been all that forthright with him about his biological father other than that he was not in his biological mother's life for some time. And the biological mother had never said anything about him having, like, any other siblings. 
So when he received his results, an entirely new family emerged for him. And I loved hearing the stories about this. It turned out that he had a sister that he was unaware of uh, on his mother's side and that she just hadn't informed him of this person's existence. And he made the connection, I think, through a connection with the sister's offspring. Uh, I think she had a son, if I'm not mistaken, who was connected to him in the matrix of how you're able to see near and distant relatives based on your DNA matching. And so um, it turned out that he and his sister had grown up not far away. Uh, They both were raised in the greater Sacramento area. And while they didn't go to the same schools, uh, they were very close in proximity and yet never knew about each other. And later, as he was trying to learn more about his paternal heritage, he would come to find out that there were half-brothers as well. And unfortunately, his biological father had already passed away. He knew that his biological mother's side of the family was from Mexico originally. And his dad, well, his roots went back to the United Kingdom And my friend felt that my partner had given him this really incredible gift. In fact, I remember him telling me it was the best gift he'd ever been given, a family. So when we got together to have lunch this one day out in Claremont, out in the Inland Empire here, I was telling him that I had finally just received some data recently from my test. And I had my iPad with me that day as we were sitting there at the lunch table in the restaurant. And I ended up logging in because I told him there was some stuff that just didn't make any sense to me. And as he was looking at it with me, and he had really gotten into into this service, uh... I told him that I thought that the lab had screwed something up again. But this friend of mine, he said, well, maybe they didn't. Maybe you just don't know something. What I did know, and I always knew that both of my maternal grandparents, their parents were first-generation United States residents who were from Norway. So I always assumed that there would be a large chunk of my ethnic heritage from Scandinavia, and there is. That much shows on the DNA results on my test. And that seemed right, so I assumed everything else would be right. But on my paternal side, I knew that my grandparents their heritage was from parts of the United Kingdom, Scotland, Ireland, England, and also from Germany. And I had some of that too. So I it wasn't too weird 
but there were two glaring issues that left me befuddled. One, it did not connect me, even though by this point we were both in the system, with my dad's DNA. It also showed me that my second largest DNA pattern revealed over a quarter of my heritage being Ashkenazi Jewish. Wait, what? My grandparents, both my paternal grandmother and grandfather, were both Catholic. I'd never heard anything about any Jewish blood in the family. So where the heck did that come from? I'm all of a sudden thinking, uh, they screwed up again. Because it didn't even have me connected to my dad. And at this point, I was kind of getting frustrated with it and was about to say to hell with it. Both my mom and my dad's results showed 0.0% Ashkenazi Jew. But for me, it was 25.2%. The only segment of my DNA larger than this was my Scandinavian heritage from my maternal side of the family. And this is when I found out how hard it was to break through the barrier of a solid front line of customer service with the DNA test company. <laughs> I got on the phone with a customer service representative and they insisted that no, I'm I'm the one who must be mistaken, not them. I persisted, and I finally managed to get them to put me through to somebody at the geneticist level in the company. And when I talked to that person, one of the things that they said to me, they told me that this is one of the dangers of these tests, that occasionally people end up finding out things that they may not want to or that may be quite shocking to them. As far as I was concerned, they just screwed up my dad's test again because I'm thinking, okay, I had some German and some Irish and, uh, you know, uh, other UK variants in there. They just didn't get it fully right. My grandmother, I thought, my paternal grandmother having a lot of German in her background, I was like, well, maybe she didn't know about the Ashkenazi Jewish element. Or maybe she was afraid to let anyone know about it. What in the world was going on? Finally, the geneticist person I spoke with uh, relented and agreed to send out another test kit for my dad. The thing is, is that they did this during the summer when my parents were up visiting relatives of ours in the Pacific Northwest. They weren't at their home in Arizona at the time. And when they sent it out, they were sending the kit to their home in Arizona and I'd kind of forgotten all about this. 
in the interim. But then I had this thing happen. And it was jarring. I had just come home from the hospital the end of the year last year. I was a couple of weeks into my recovery from my foot surgery. And I had my computer moved out into the living room where I spent a lot of time in a recliner staying off my foot, watching TV and doing various things that I needed to do for work. And I checked my email several times a day. That afternoon, there's a message that came in from the DNA service. And it was from a woman who lived in the Pacific Northwest. She identified herself as my half-sister. Wait a minute. I only have a brother. My half-sister? We'll talk more about this on the other side. Stay with us. I'm John McMullen. This is iHub Radio. You're listening to The John McMullen Show, the story of our lives. he was a douche before he had a couple of clots in his brain. You should hear him now. John McMullen on the iHub Network. Twenty-two minutes after the hour. Thanks for joining us on the John McMullen Show. It is Thursday, kind of a throwback Thursday with this conversation that we are involved in right now. Telling you about my going through one of those DNA services to learn about your heritage and the surprise that came with this experience. Now, I have to say that I have not discussed this with my parents at all. They don't know. And if they're listening today, this is the first time that they are hearing this. So, at any rate, I get a phone call in early January from somebody. Well, first I get an email, and then we set up a phone call for later in that day with someone in the Pacific Northwest identifying that they are my half-sister. And then I bring up the thing about the Ashkenazi Jewish heritage, And that part of the puzzle gets filled in. Just as my friend who had also had this done and was so excited to find all these new people in his family tree who he did not know. He had been adopted as a kid. He knew that, but he didn't know about significant parts of his family. Um, I was not as excited 
to be hit with this. I just thought it would be a cool thing to do to know something about, you know, who you might be related to on the other side of the planet. But I was also worried about the fact that this may have been the result of one of my parents cheating on the other. But that wasn't the case. Thank God. It has been a substantial mental burden to me knowing even what I know today because I haven't discussed this with my family. It turns out that my dad, who I absolutely still feel is my dad, it it doesn't change anything, nothing has been diminished in any way. He raised me, he took care of me, he has loved me unconditionally my whole life. The only thing that's different is I know now that he is not my biological parent. And it makes me think about a couple of different things. One, does he know and never said anything because he felt that he was just doing the right thing at the, t- at the time? Or does he not know anything about this? Should I say anything about this because I don't want it to impact the relationship between my parents? I don't even, for that matter, know that my mom knows this fact because of the relative close time that she may have been intimate with the person who is my biological father and when she met my dad. I mean, it took, I was kind of dense for a lot of years in the sense that I hadn't put two and two together that I was born in September and they were married in April with baby in tow. I mean, on board. I hadn't been born yet. But my dad was in the military at the time that I was conceived and even when I was born. He didn't get out until just shortly after that. But it was a trip to learn this. It was also really important to me to know a little more about the other side of my DNA family. Because I've had to deal with various issues, my health. Uh, I was born with uh, flat feet, and I learned that uh, I also had a half-brother who unfortunately, sadly, uh, passed away some years ago uh, due to some virus or viral thing, I think it was, that he was traveling, and, and this happened, uh, leaving you know his family stunned and saddened by his premature departure. But he also had some issues uh, with a foot. And, you know, it makes you start to think, well, one of the benefits to these DNA services is that they can 
that they can help you address various physical, maybe maybe mental, uh, you know, issues that you may face. It was just such an eye-opening experience. I still have not spoken to or met the person who is my biological father either. He does know that I exist, but I have not talked to him. My sole contact has been with this one half-sister. I understand I have another. I have not talked to her. And there's just all of these dilemmas that you find yourself asking when you discover that you have family and have for most of your life that you never even knew about. Again, sometimes you got to be careful what you ask for. We'll come back and talk some more just after the NBC News update at the bottom of the hour. Some say he's not right in the head. You be the decider. This is the John McMullen Show from the iHub Network. Seven six zero five four four eight two five five is our telephone number if you'd like to join the conversation on the John McMullen Show. The conversation of your life, my life, all of our lives. I've been sharing with you something that has been deep, deeply deeply personal for me, uh, especially over this past year that I've known more information than I ever thought that I would. The fact that I have blood relatives that I was never aware of. And the fact that people who I love dearly and who have been my family are not my blood relatives, but rather my, you know, at the core, my my dad, my dad's family, who have played such a huge role all of my life in making me who I am. And it's hard to think about whether or not, as I've discovered that there was another person involved in my creation, what should I do? I've really come to like my new half-sister. She's not new, but new to me. We've only known each other for, what about, about uh, 13 13 and a half months now. And she has a really interesting family too. She's been able to share with me a lot about that side of the family. And I've really enjoyed hearing about the different people in the family and things that they've done throughout their life. You know, it, it just, for a generally curious person, it opens up a whole new world. My half-sister, she was the deputy chief of police for a community's uh, police department up in the Northwest. 
and she recently retired a couple of years ago. She remains active in law enforcement with another venture that she and her husband operate. And, I mean, even within that, it sounds fascinating uh, because of the type of work that they do, and I'm not going to go into it because I promised that I would protect people's anonymity. But, um, you know, (laughs) and, and she and I have talked about how much is said and who do we, you know, do we meet, you know, uh, do I meet her dad, who would be my biological father? Do I share with my parents what has been discovered? Did they maybe know and didn't tell me because they didn't want me to know for some reason? Or did they simply not know themselves? Or did one know and not the other? I mean... There's a lot on the line. My folks have been together for, you know, 57 years it'll be this coming April. And I don't want to do anything to hurt that. I don't want them to have a sense of feeling issues with trust with each other. They're both in their 80s. There's no reason to wreck somebody's life. I'm not seeing anybody as not being a parent or not being the same kind of parent. I was lucky. I had two really loving, caring parents. I have a a brother. It's weird to think that we may not, from a DNA standpoint, be full brothers, but half-brothers. You know, it, it's just, it's a, it's a mind-boggling thing. And I share it because if you find yourself wanting to go to, you know, like Ancestry or 23andMe or these different services that are out there to do this, you may want to be careful I mean, I didn't suspect anything out of the ordinary. So when this happened, unlike my my friend that I was talking about earlier who knew that there were people he didn't know in his, you know, family lineage right up to, you know, generation before him and in his same generation— that's one thing. And I think for him, it, it was really a cool experience, and I've enjoyed thoroughly hearing the stories as they've emerged in this. And I don't consider my own situation to be, you know, like a nightmare, like, oh, my God, I can't live with this. I just have these dilemmas. I don't want to say or do something that's going to hurt somebody. And I have wrestled back and forth with the idea that when we are free to travel again, will I meet the biological father that I've never met, never even talked to 
at this point. I've seen pictures. It's uh, uncanny, the resemblance. But, you know, I laugh too because one of my best friends was working on a video, or a, um, uh, yeah, a picture and video project with me for family a few years ago and saw images of my parents and my brother and I for the first time all together and was like, oh yeah, I can totally see the resemblance between you and your brother and your dad. You are definitely your dad's son. And I am my dad's son. But not from a DNA standpoint. And it's, I don't know. I I just, it, it brings about all these dilemmas along with all of this interest. And so I tell you, you may be surprised what comes about as a result of taking the jump into one of these spit in the tube, mail it in and find out what your DNA makeup is and who you're connected to all around the world. It was really fascinating to me also to learn that the woman who I will never meet, who would be my paternal biological grandmother, escaped from Europe, from I believe it was the Netherlands, during the war and was not captured by the Nazis. Unfortunately, from what I understand, there were several people that were family who were and who perished in the Holocaust. And again, here's an aspect of my life. I didn't even know that there was, until I did this, that there was any Jewish background in my life. I remember when I first discovered this, even before I knew the part about the family, that when I initially thought, oh, they've done something wrong, I remember writing to many of my friends. I have a lot of, uh, a lot of my Jewish friends who live back in the New York area uh, who I worked with when I was at Sirius Satellite Radio. And I remember writing to them, and saying, you're never going to believe this, but um, I'm part of the tribe. And now I not only get to celebrate with the Christmas tree, I get the Hanukkah bush too. So prepare to give me gifts all through December. You know, I was funning with them, but still it's, you know, when you learn about this aspect of your heritage, it it does make you... Take pause and think. So be careful what you wish for or don't. But that is my story of using one of the DNA services to learn about your heritage. And I could never have imagined that this would be the journey that I'd be on at this point in my life. So... Take that for what it is. It is, by the way, 44 minutes after the hour, and you're listening to The John McMullen Show on the iHub Network. 
iHub Radio, part of the iHub Network. And still to come tonight, after this program, you're going to hear Kevin Gillette. He'll be in with the Atomic Lounge, Exotica, Surf, Jazz, Cool Vibes, music that is not playing anywhere else on Coachella Valley Radio. And I hope you enjoy it. I do. It is on morning, noon, and night. Uh, you can catch it. Its first broadcast actually is every morning from 6 to 8 a.m. before Jeremy Wayne is in here with the Hangout. And then after the Hangout, uh, another two hours with Kevin. And Gillette is back from 6 to 8 p.m., all those times, specific time. Don't forget the Hangout if you missed it earlier this morning with Jeremy Wayne. It will rebroadcast tonight at 8 to 10 p.m. right ahead of our encore of the John McMullen Show. Well, Texas has been pounded and several other places back east have been pounded with cold. Uh, In Texas, they just weren't prepared for it. They should have been. But, you know them, they don't want the federal government telling them how to do anything. So to avoid having to meet you know, the regulator requirements, they are on their own. Happily so, until when their citizens freeze to death. Because of freezing temperatures, snow, broken pipes, lots of ice. It's, it's gross to look at and see, and it's weird because next week they're going to be in the 70s. But California's Sierra snowpack is 68% of average after a series of storms In recent weeks, the Department of Water Resources says that the statewide average is down slightly from the 70% number about two weeks ago during the last monthly snow survey. The snowpack was sagging at about 40% of normal back in mid-January. There, now do you feel cool and refreshed? I hope so. Well, it... uh, 5.46 in the afternoon or evening, it's a mere 67 degrees in Palm Springs, so I know you're not going to freeze if you're here in our hometown. Stay with us. We've got more coming your way next on the iHub Network. I'm John McMullen.